Let's pray. Father, forgive us as we fail to to pray as we should. Uh, Lord, uh, but we do thank you for again for the privilege of prayer that we can actually talk to our Abba Father, our Daddy Father. And uh, Lord, we know you hear us. Help us to to come, Lord, with a, a pure heart uh, uh, that uh, we will not uh, have any sin that uh, we're uh, holding on to, clinging to, that that uh, that we need to repent of. But but Lord, we we just come this this morning confessing our our sin of of uh, failure to pray. But, so Lord, we we ask to. For you to hear our prayers and answer our prayers. And you will get, uh, of course, all the glory as you do. And so uh, help us, Lord, whether we eat, drink, or whatsoever we do, do to the glory of God. And we do that uh, today, Lord. Because we, we know we can't even take our next breath without you. And so uh, help us to be thankful. Uh, in our heart of hearts, uh, just to uh, not focus, as we'll look at this morning, on bad things, but keep our eyes on Jesus. And uh, so, Father, we lift up to you this morning uh, these needs uh, for uh, for Ben there and his uh, uh, at Silver Ships, and uh, uh, he's under stress, Lord. So, uh, give him wisdom and strength, and take this stress away as he rests in you, and, and, but direct his paths, give him clear focus on what to do and, 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 and on, in that job. And Lord, we thank you for Becky and, and uh, uh, the answer to prayer so she can be uh, uh, more attentive to her child. And so, Lord, just uh, uh, have all of this come to fruition, Lord. And uh, for Craig and Nicole, is there a way? And uh, pray, we pray for safety for them. And uh, Lord, we also uh, uh, thank you uh, for, for Brennan uh, being here with us and is, uh, looks forward to this operation. Uh, Lord, we, as Andrew has pointed out, Lord, we pray for healing. Let the, uh, and Lord, I know uh, because I have seen you heal miraculously. And so we lift him up to you that you would do this and that you would touch him. And, but certainly, Lord, that you would work out all the, the details as, as you will for the operation. And uh, so, Lord, uh, uh, we pray for uh, Evan and uh, as he goes to camp. And, Lord, there's so much that can come against teenagers this day. And, and uh, I pray for Wilson, uh, my grandson as well, as there's so much... Uh, temptation out there, but I would pray that you would bring somebody into his life uh, that uh, there at the camp that would uh, give him direction and uh, be a real witness to him. And uh, Lord, we lift up Sue McCormick <clears throat> for continued healing for her and for Linda, her daughter as well. And uh, we pray for Cameron uh, that Lord, you would be very real to him and that uh, he would uh, focus on Christ, that he would uh, be captain of his life, that he would turn over the reins to him. 
Uh, Lord, we all need to do that more. And uh, so give us grace to do that. And uh, so, Father, this morning, uh, hear our prayer, for you make them in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. All right, we are in Mark chapter 9. This morning we're going to look at the uh, transfiguration. This is, of course, the life of our Lord that we're looking at and how that life affected those around him then. And, uh, And, of course, there's application even for us today and how that life is still affecting many uh, here on this earth as well. Uh, Mark Twain, uh, of course we all, we all know, wrote books, and one of the books that he wrote was The Prince and the Pauper. Matter of fact, it was his daughter's favorite, one of his, her favorite books of his, and I'm not going to talk about that other than to say that uh, The Prince... Uh, found someone, uh, another boy who was looked identical to him, and, and of course they change apparel. The prince puts on the rags, and the rags put on the prince's clothes. And you can't carry that too far in the illustration, but I, I want us to see that the prince of heaven put on rags. And just as the pauper, no one would believe the pauper or the prince who was in rag clothes, who he was. That we might see who Jesus is. And we have a glimpse of that this morning. We will see because of his revealing himself in all his glory uh, to his, uh, these three disciples of his. Uh, just a quick review. We, we left off. In, or in, in chapter 8, when Jesus said, Whom do men say that I am? And of course, uh, they didn't say, Oh, they think you're God. Uh, and, and gave uh, what people said of him. And, uh, and then, of course, Jesus says to Peter, Whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And wow, that... Uh, that was quite a statement, and that was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And uh, then we saw that uh, Christ told them that uh, he must suffer and that he must be killed, and in three days he was going to rise again. And, uh, of course, Peter said, No, Lord, no, Lord, you're not going to die. Uh, <clears throat> and then, of course, Christ says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Because that was a necessary thing for Christ to do, was to die for our sins. But Peter, of course, did not understand and uh, uh, wanted things to go about just as he wanted. And so we struggle, don't we, in our own lives with what God is doing in our life. And we say, no, Lord, I don't want that. No, Lord, you've got to do it this way. Uh, because it's all about us. It's about us. And what I want us to see this morning is it's all about Him and what He did for us. And so we're involved in this, but He gets all the glory. And uh, and then last week we we saw that uh, this applies to us as well. 
that we ourselves must, uh, must, and we saw that word, must, deny self, take up the cross, and follow him daily. That there is a cost of discipleship, and uh, there are terms of discipleship, and uh, it's not just, uh, oh, I believe in Jesus, uh, your life isn't changed, you live for yourself, and, uh, but you're going to heaven, a ticket, so to speak. That's not Christianity. See, that is not Christianity. Christianity is where the Holy Spirit moves in you in a powerful way, and you're humbled before God. And then you say, Lord, I'm your servant. Use me in whatever way you want to, Lord. And you don't have to be a preacher to be used by God. Amen. You can be a preacher and not be used by God. <laughs> and uh, so, no, uh, we need doctors. And uh, thank God for doctors. I've been there three or four times and would have died without doctors. So everybody has what God has called them to do. And, uh, but we're still servants of the Most High God, whatever we do. If you, if you collect garbage for, for everybody, uh, that's a high calling because go for like a month without collecting and see what happens. I'm thankful for garbage collectors because they are serving a purpose. And so, anyway, I'm preaching another sermon. But uh, these disciples, of course, were focused on their need and in in, in Christ's suffering, what he was going to go through. And you know what? If you focus on that, it becomes very discouraging. Life becomes very discouraging uh, when you look at, uh, at what's going on and suffering and uh, all the problems in this world. And so we all need encouragement, do we not? I need encouragement every day. I need encouragement because uh, the world is against us. And... Uh, and these disciples were going to soon learn what it was or what it means to be a real disciple. And they were going to be put through uh, some real hard times. But before this happens, Jesus reveals himself to them in a very powerful way. He's revealed himself to us in a very powerful way, too. But uh, these, these three were particularly blessed and... Uh, uh, we need to focus on the good, the good, not just, not just the bad, what we would consider bad in our lives. And so there's encouragement here for us as well as we'll see. So what does uh, Jesus do? He pulls back the curtain. He pulls back the curtain to let them see who he really is and all his splendor and glory and his majesty. There's no doubt now, this is the Christ. This is God. This is the one we've been waiting for. And, uh, you know, when the curtain is pulled back, it's going to reveal something. Remember in, the, in the, uh, the Wizard of Oz, when the curtain was pulled back, he says, don't, don't worry about the guy behind the curtain. You know, just... <laughs> Why? Because he's a phony. When the curtain was taken away, he turned out to be a, a phony, did he? But when this curtain is taken away, whoa, this is something else. He's genuine. He is who he says he is. 
So we need to keep our eyes on the cross that we're dying on every day. Okay, the suffering that we go through, the heartache, and all of the, the problems of life. But don't dwell there. For every glance for that, take ten glances to Jesus, is what I'm saying. Okay? If you're dwelling on all the bad stuff, which you would consider bad, and, and yet God's working all that to, your, uh, to his glory and for your good, we need to fix our eyes on the crown. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Let's read now uh, Mark uh, chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. And Jesus was saying to them, Truly, I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer, for they became terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one with them. Now this is it anymore except Jesus alone. Where's our focus? Is it on Jesus alone? Just ask yourself that this morning. We see the setting of, the, uh, of this glory that's revealed is found in verse 1. This is a very provocative prophecy. A lot of different interpretations about what is being said here. There are different thoughts. The liberals, of course, would say uh, this proves that Jesus uh, was not who he said he was because his kingdom did not come. So he's a false prophet and uh, not who he says he is. Others see this, which is, of course, wrong, but others see this as his triumph on the cross, his resurrection, ascension, Pentecost, uh, the kingdom coming in power and glory. That's a possibility uh, uh, for sure. But I think in the context right here, in the context, it seems to refer to the transfiguration. We see in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 16 through 19, and Peter is talking about this event that he witnessed, that he uh, saw. And so he says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, 
Such an utterance as this was made known to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. See his transfiguration. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Whoa, fix your eyes on Jesus. Uh, And uh, so, Jesus gives a promise and I think he fulfills it six days later. Uh, That's just, of course, one interpretation. But the second thing about this setting is he's a praying savior as well. One of the purpose for going into the mountain, remember, in a lot of places, was to do what? To pray, exactly. In Luke, in Luke account, it says, some eight, eight days after these things, he took along Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his Clothing became white and gleaming. And so this is Luke's account. Uh, It was a very high mountain, probably Mount Hermon, which is snow-capped. And uh, could have been at night. Luke seems to suggest this because the disciples were sleeping again, and uh, which they were prone to do, as we do, when we're not, uh, uh, should be awake. But... uh, Why did he choose Peter, James, and John? I have no idea. And I don't uh, think uh, it really matters except to say this. It's grace alone. It's grace alone. You know, I believe God shows different Christians different things. He will show me something that he may not show you. And that's okay. Because for one thing, I may not be, be able to handle it if he did show it to me. Uh, and, uh, you know, you might say, boy, this precious truth that I have, but nobody sees it. Well, they can't until God opens their eyes to it, you see. And, uh, but that's okay because he chose out Peter, James, and John of the disciples to experience this transfiguration. Why not all of them? Well, we don't know other than to say this was his purpose uh, at this time. And, uh, and uh, what happened when they were on the mountain? He was transfigured before them. Peter says he was an eyewitness of his majesty. The word here means that is transfigured means metamorphosized. A real change took place. Of course, we all know what metamorphosis is when a caterpillar turns into to a butterfly and so forth but it says in mark that his clothes became dazzling white luke and matthew uh, the word applies to a flashing sword or a lightning strike in other words it was brilliant you've seen lightning strike if you've ever been around one whoa it's blinding if it hits near you and uh, in luke chapter 9 it says his appearance uh, of his face changed In Matthew 17, his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. 
Now, I think Paul's experience on the road to Damascus was very similar when Christ appeared to him. And, of course, he was blinded, uh, was he not, and had his eyes healed after that. But this is a special thing that these three men witnessed, as Paul did. Paul witnessed something very special because God had a very special purpose for him. And uh, let us never forget that. And we see God's glory shone through a little bit. Always remember that. They saw just a part of his glory. And they were absolutely terrified, amazed, astonished. Uh, And you can imagine if you would have been there what what that would have been like. I can't even even fathom uh, the excitement and the encouragement. Really, the encouragement that these disciples experienced. I mean, if we had a similar experience right here, you know what? It might electrify us, you think? (laughs) Uh, But remember, to whom much is given, much is required. So you better be careful about what you pray for because God will, uh, in other words, if he calls you to preach and you don't preach, that's not good. And so God gives us uh, uh, encouragement when we need it. It's interesting in John chapter 1, John says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. He did. He got to see the glory of Christ. Wow, what a privilege that was. Uh, And one day we will all be glorified thank God. And, uh, uh, but you know, when, it, when we come to Christ, there is just a little taste of this glory. It, it was for me. When, because you're blind, it's like being in a dark room, and all of a sudden, it's like a light has turned on. And you see. And he, God becomes very real to you, and you trust him. And, uh, and you realize that... Uh, uh, he is he is real, and uh, he came as a as a pauper. And one day he will come again in all his glory. Amen. Are you ready? He will come in all his glory. Are you ready? We see uh, Moses and Elijah were there. And we might ask, why were they there? And uh, the disciples wake up and see them standing there. And, and uh, why, why Moses and Elijah? And, of course, there's a lot of different thoughts on this. I think Moses, for one thing, it can be many things here, represents the law. The law pointed to Christ. Also, it's a picture of someone who had died. And Moses, we know, did die physically. But he was not lost. Here he is. We see Elijah represents the prophets who also pointed to Christ. And I think uh, also Elijah is a picture of saints uh, who go to heaven without dying. Those who are alive when Christ comes again. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. 
then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. I'm looking forward to that day. That's going to be a glorious day. And so, uh, here these two uh, Old Testament people are with him. And it says in Luke, uh, in Luke chapter 9, that uh, they were talking to Christ about his departure. Or his uh, exodus is the Greek meaning of this departure. They were talking to Jesus about his leaving the earth, about his dying. And I find that kind of interesting, don't you? You know, I think they were brought to encourage Jesus for his encouragement. In other words, and they were very concerned about this. Why would Moses and Elijah be concerned about his departure? If he didn't depart and die on the cross, they would be in their sin. And so they were encouraging him, Lord, go through with this. And so there's a lot that we can see uh, from, from this, what takes place here. And uh, he was coming uh, to die for them as well. Uh, what can we learn for ourselves? What can we learn for ourselves about this? I think for one thing, we see the glory of his death. There's songs that talk about in the cross of Christ I glory. And just look in the in the in the hymn book, it's full of that. I glory in the cross. And uh, remember his death meant life for us. And Paul was very clear about this in his uh, epistles as well. Galatians 6:14. But may it never be that I should boast or glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through whom which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And uh, so the cross is a source of comfort to the Christian. The cross, now to those that don't believe, it's foolishness. But to us who are saved, it's the power of God. Because we glory, we glory in the cross. Because if he had not died on the cross and been raised from the dead, we would still be in our sins. So we need to boast, we need to glory in the cross, as Paul says. And uh, and really, I think, see the wonder of it all. See the wonder, see the wonder of it all. And I think when we're going through problems in our lives, and we all do, we all face, we all face a possibility of cancer or, or tumors or all sorts of problems that can come up, uh, we need to think about the cross and the wonder of it all and glory in the cross because our salvation comes through his death. Remember, if you gain the whole world, you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, what is it a profit to you? Nothing. You don't have anything. And so we can glory, uh, glory in the cross of Christ. 
We see also the glory of the saints. Uh, Moses and Elijah, uh, it says, appeared in, in glorious splendor. Uh, they were not lost in the, in the uh, I mean, think of all the millions and billions of, of people who have been born in this world and not one of them is forgotten. And, you know, that's a great comfort as well when we find Moses and Elijah. Uh, you know, God didn't say, now, now where's Moses? Where, you know, he, he went out in the wilderness and I wonder if I can drum him up some way, you know, just to, no. No, he was not lost. He wasn't lost. And you know that's true about us as well. If I can get the, yeah. In John 6, 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, Jesus says, of all, not just most of them, and I lose some of them or what, all that he has given me, I lose what? Nothing. But raise it up on the last day. That's exciting. He's not going to forget me. <clears throat> I wouldn't blame him if he did, uh, but he isn't. Uh, wow. How great all this really is. Also, we see there's no such thing as soul sleep, I don't believe. The Seventh-day Adventists talk about soul sleep and... Uh, I don't believe Moses was sleeping because he came. In other words, he knew what was going on, Moses and Elijah. And they cared about what's happening here on this earth. And do people in heaven know something of what is going on here on this earth? I think there's a real big possibility of that. Now, how much of that can they, they you know... I, I don't, that's speculation, but uh, we know Moses and Elijah were certainly part of this uh, great event. Um, you know, people have said, well, do you think uh, my dad or my mother could see their funeral? Well, yeah, if, they, if that's a possibility. Uh, I'm not saying that it uh, couldn't happen. And so we have to be very careful. But the idea, though, is to be absent from the body to die is to be present with the Lord. Paul's very clear about that. And so we have to be very careful uh, when we uh, preach something else. And uh, also, we find that Moses and Elijah were able to be recognized by the disciples I don't know if they had pictures of them, but evidently it was pretty obvious who these two were. And uh, uh, there will be recognition in heaven. Uh, they taste also of this heavenly fellowship talking to Jesus. Now, um, it's in it, don't you find it very amazing that we created beings will one day in heaven be able to talk to Jesus. If that doesn't excite you, you're mostly dead. Because we're talking about the creator of the universe. That ought to excite us. That's something that, that we need to fix our eyes on. And when you really do that, the stuff in this world doesn't mean anything. 
That's what you'll experience. You'll really experience that. You won't say, well, I know I'm supposed to get excited about Jesus, and I, but no, I, you better check up on yourself. And I don't say that lightly. You know what? Heaven isn't going to be a boring place. Because we find Moses and Elijah here were just glowing and, and, and uh, talking to Jesus, aware of what's going on, and uh, had a job to do. God wasn't through with them when he took them. They came back and we have a job to do. It ain't going to be boring up there. We're not going to just sit around and, and flap our wings. Well, we don't have wings, but it's not going to be boring. It's going to be just I don't know. It's going to be grandiose. I don't know how to, how to really describe it. And of course, Peter's response here uh, is interesting. And of course, Peter always had something to say, as we usually do. And, uh, and he says, in a good response, he says, Rabbi, it is good to be here. You know what? That's a great response, isn't it? He should have shut up after that. You know. And don't we do that? If you ever gone to a funeral and you say something and oh, it just seems to, and then you think, I need to say something else, and you say it and you go, Ooh, I shouldn't have said that. That's kind of what Peter does here. He he uh it's a good response and but the bad uh, response was what? Let's put up three shelters. What was he doing? He was doing the same thing he did in chapter eight. He didn't want Jesus to depart. He wanted to build a shelter there that they could just live in this glory forever. They were on this mountaintop and it's wonderful, wonderful experience. But he did not, Peter, like all of us, don't want the suffering. We don't want the bad stuff. We want everything our way. Let's build shelters. But no, that's not uh, what God had in store for Peter. You know, sometimes silence is golden. And we need to remember that. And I've said things in my life I should not have said. Uh, what was wrong with what Peter said here? Uh, he wanted to stay on the mountain, as I've, uh, as I've said. Uh, mountaintop experiences don't last. There's nothing wrong with the mountaintop experiences. We've all experienced that, but we can't stay there. It'd be nice if we could. I'd love to stay on the mountaintop experiences. And I've had a few in my life. Just, But boy, I tell you what, as soon as they're over, when they come next week, we're going to look at what happened when they came down from the mountain. It was not all uh, bliss at all. And that's the way it is with us as well. Peter had people to minister to. He had the gospel to preach. And then lastly we see, wow, this cloud comes over. The presence of God shows up. And there is a voice that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Where, were, where was that also said? At Jesus's is Jesus' baptism. It's exactly right. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was getting ready to go out into the wilderness to, to what? Be tempted. Now Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. 
And here the father shows up and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, he says that to each one of you this morning. Because, see, you're in Jesus. That ought to excite you too. You're in Jesus. If you're trusting him, you're in him. And he says to you, this is my beloved son or daughter, and I am what? I'm well pleased with you. Not because you're good, but because of Jesus. And my son who lived the perfect life that you cannot live, trust him. And I am well pleased with him. Why? Because he is going to die on the cross, and I'm well pleased with that. Listen to him, he says next. Listen to him and what he says. He must die. It says that the disciples were afraid and Jesus touched them. And Jesus touched them. Whenever you're afraid, ask for Jesus to touch you. Matthew 17, 6 and 7. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground and were what? Terrified. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Get up and do not be afraid. There are times in our lives when we just say, Touch me, Jesus. Lord, take this fear from me. This is not of you. This is of Satan. Touch me. And he will. I promise you, he, he will do that. And then Moses and Elijah were taken away and there was Jesus only there. He was there with them. As he is always with us, he will never leave us or forsake us. Moses and Elijah, their job was done. They're out of there. But, but Jesus is there. Let me, let me just say, is Jesus elevated to a point in your mind and in your soul to where when problems come, when you're terrified, do you look to him? Do you look to him and cry out to him and see that he is the only one that you need. Because He is. So He can meet your need. He can, he can come in and, and uh, bring peace. You know, when we see the sin and the uh, uh, unhappy people and uh, the corruption around us, the, pro- uh, the problems, the trials, uh, corruption in high places, all the sorrow... What does Satan whisper to us? He says, why don't you just give up? That's what he tells me. Why don't you just give up? You're preaching and doing any good. Lives aren't being changed. People aren't growing. I talked to a, a pre, one of the preachers down there at the convention center and he talked for a little while. and He just said, you know what, I, I feel like quitting. He said, I don't see anything happening in in the lives of the people in the church. And he said, I'm I'm just weary. And it was interesting because I was going to be preaching on this. And and, uh, I said, you know what? 
Paul t tells us what? Not to become weary in doing good. Not to become weary in doing good. For in due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. Jesus says, what? Look up and see the cross. Trust in me. Look to me. You know, the cross gives hope to a hopeless world. Last verse and we're done. In John 14, is this where you're keeping your eyes? Do not let your heart be troubled. Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what? I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also. He's all we need. It's all about him. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's pray. Father, uh, because of what's going on in this world and because of Satan's attacks and, and sin that abounds and, and all the problems of life and Lord, it's so easy to become weary. But Lord, we're not fixing our eyes on you. That's our sin, Lord. That's my sin. I'm not resting in Christ. I'm not really believing that he is all I need. I really don't believe that he is with me through every trial and tribulation. Lord, as the disciples said, Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Help my unbelief, Lord. And fix my eyes on Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.